Welcome to Season 2 with Dr. Annette West. This show is coming to you from a holistic and faith-based view, sharing varied topics, occasional interviews, and discussions. The purpose of this show is to help us to build up our mind, our body, and our spirit. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Sax Love for allowing this show use of his jazz instrumental, Funk Jazz. Now, let's get started with Dr. Annette West's topic for today. Hi, everyone. Well, it's another week, another Thursday. Dr. Annette West here. Thanks for tuning in. I am excited on today. I have with me Anna J. Small Roseboro, author on Zion's Hill. Welcome, Anna. Thank you, Annette, for having me. This has been an interesting experience to think about, talking about, a book that I wrote about my husband and me meeting that summer in 1963 on Zion's Hill, the camp meeting where our church denomination has been meeting for 102 years. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes. Well, I want you to know I was two years old then. Okay. <laughs> We're not going there today. <laughs> but bless the Lord, I'm alive. And well, and I'm telling you, you look so doggone young. Oh my goodness. Well, thank the Lord. I have a husband who takes good care of me and, and he lets me write. Good. And sometimes he tells me that he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. So I, I, I started reading your book and I, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, it's very colorful on the front on, on Zion's Hill. Um, I have not. To be honest, I have not finished it, but I have made it through the um, Wednesday, through Wednesday. And um, it's interesting how you laid your table of contents out. Because I go looking for chapter one, chapter two, and I find first Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Tell us, tell us, start out by telling us, um, well, before we get to that. Just tell us a brief little bit about you and how you got into writing this book. What prompted you to write this book? If I'm honest about it, I can say it was a challenge for my students. As an English language arts teacher, I am of the National Writing Project group. That means that teachers who assign students to write are asked to write along with their students. And so once I began teaching that way, I began writing about experiences that I've had 
and ask the students to do the same. Over the years, I've been gathering that and sort of collecting some of them. And this book includes some episodes of my life that I wrote along with my students. However, in 1965, I realized that my wedding anniversary was coming up. And in 1966, I would have been married for 50 years. And I said, what a better way to sort of celebrate the relationship by looking back at how it started. And it just happened that my husband and I met one another during our freshman year in college. Both of us had to get some financial assistance for our attending college. He happened to have attended Penn State University on a basketball scholarship, but it wasn't quite enough to pay all of his expenses. I attended Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan, and I had to work through the entire time. And so because both of us had grown up attending this particular camp meeting in Western Pennsylvania, we decided to see if we could get a job during the summer working there. My husband got a job as the athletic director and counselor for young men. I got a job working in the ice cream stand. But at this time, you weren't married. We were not married. Okay. We did not know each other. We met each other in church okay. on the first Sunday night of camp meeting. Okay. So when I decided to write the book, I decided to recreate as best I could what it would be like at church camp for eight days from the first Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the second Sunday. And what would, would happen in a relationship with two college students who met each other the first night and were committed to returning home and finishing their college and not be distracted by a gorgeous young lady <laughs> or a handsome young man. And so that's how the story is set up in eight days of camp meeting. I, I remember um, in here, he actually mentioned you in color when he was talking about this beautiful woman that he had met. <laughs> uh, uh, that's one advantage of writing your own book. You can put in your own colors. And, and one of the things that anyone of African-American descent will recognize that the men and women who are descendants from Africa are many different complexions. And there happened to be a chocolate candy factory in the town. And so I used those, you know, white chocolate, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, semi-sweet chocolate <laughs> to sort of describe the various complexions of the men and women who attended this particular church camp meeting. And, and I like that um, on the front of your book, it says on Zion's Hill, and then you have funny and frank, fanciful and faithful. Okay. Who is this? Uh, some of the situations I thought were funny because I worked in the ice cream stand and I could hear people talking as they stood in line awaiting my service. But I also could see across the entire campground what was going on. 
And of course, I imagine some of the things that were going on and some of the things that happened to me as an individual, as a young Christian, I tried to include in the book in frank ways that we as young mm. Christians sometimes judge what we see going on. Sometimes we are challenged about our own beliefs when we hear services, when we hear ministers, when we experience the music. Fanciful is because this is a fictionalized version, but it is faithful to what really happened. And so I also like alliteration, and that's why I used fanciful and faithful, funny and frank. And um, that just made a lot of sense the way you explained that. So um, I think anybody would get that. And um, I can see looking at situations of life and just laughing, just laughing <laughs> at things because why not? <laughs> exactly. And sometimes in retrospect, whether we are teenagers looking back at what happened to us uh, in our preteen years or as full grown adults, when we look back on things that happened to us, sometimes they are just downright funny and we laugh. But also as Christians, we think about times when we have been challenged by that. And sometimes we remain faithful. Sometimes we have fallen and have had to experience God's grace and forgiveness. And this is what's coming up in the chapter that you have not yet read. Yeah, no, I've gotten through three and I'm, I'm, I'm muddling along, as they say, but I will finish it. Um, but let me ask you, because you, I'm assuming you've been writing for probably forever <laughs> from um, all, all of the work that, that you have out. Is there anything that has challenged you in your writing? Uh, the, probably the main challenge for me is to keep in mind who is my audience and what is my purpose. You give me an opportunity to talk a little bit about the other kind of writing that I do. Right. Over the years, my husband has taken the opportunity to work in five different states, which means our family has moved and lived in five different states. And I've had to be the newcomer mm. in five different school districts. And so over the years, I have been writing about what it's like to be new mm. and the professional books that have been written, I have written for teachers who may be in the same situation. What if you are new to a school and you don't have an on-site mentor? What do you do when you are committed to do the best you can for the students you have that year? Mm. And so that's been the major challenge. How can I write well for a particular audience and achieve the purpose that I believe has been given to me as an educator and as a child of God. That's good. And I can see that your resources, when it comes to um, looking at the move and, and, and how you have to um, shift your your stance in, in new places. And it, it, it sounds like something that would be really great in a military um, environment where the military are consistently moving families. So I don't know if you've tapped into any of that, but I can definitely uh, see this being a fit because 
they're always being challenged. I think we always are, but now that our society is much more mobile than it may have been in the years when I first got married, in fact, I was challenged for having chosen to marry someone from a different state. In our in Detroit, we had what, six congregations of the denomination that I grew up in. You were expected to marry a Christian, marry someone of our faith, and stay in town. I happened to marry a Christian. I happened to marry someone who was raised in the same faith, but he lived in Pennsylvania. And our first job was in St. Louis, Missouri. And where did you live? I lived in Detroit, Michigan. Okay, okay. And we had committed ourselves, both of us, not, I had committed myself not to get an MRS until I had a BA. Mm Mm-hmm. I was not going to get married until I had graduated from college and gotten a degree. So I graduated on the 11th and got married on the 31st. Wow. Wow. Well, you stayed, you stayed true to what you said. That's what that was. Hey, I think I should. And I, I encourage women to do the same if possible. Get your degree, get your training. It doesn't have to be college. You you need to know that if necessary, you can be a breadwinner. You may not have to. Right. But knowing that you can support yourself, you can help support your family, I think it's key to the psyche of women in the 21st century. Yeah, and, and life happens. Life happens. One of the things that happened was when we moved to California, my husband thought he would be able to get a job right away. You mentioned the military. San Diego, California is a military town. Many people retire there. Mm-hmm. And consequently, retired military did not have to demand the same salary as someone who was not receiving that income. Mm-hmm. So my husband ended up starting his own business, but I had to work full time until we were able to get on our feet. I had my degree. I could get a job. And so I encourage young people to do the same. Be able to support yourself, knowing you can depend on the Lord, but the Lord has given you talents and strength and wisdom. And you ask me, that's what I encourage men and women to do. So let me throw this let me throw this question out there to you because I okay. I, I like I like the way that I like the way that you're talking. So <clears throat> you and your husband both have degrees. You've Correct. not most of the time you've not had to work, but when it was necessary, you stepped up to the plate. That's correct. So I guess my question is, I've heard many times people say in a marriage it's 50-50. Do you really believe that? <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> I believe in a marriage, it's 100-100. Where you intersect is where the commitment to the marriage occurs. 50% of the time, you may be doing your own thing. 50% of the time, he may be doing his own thing. But each, if each of us is giving 100% to our marriage, 
there are going to be enough places where it intersects that the relationship will develop, will grow strong, and will be able to withstand the changes and challenges that are inevitable when two independent people decide to become one family. Mm, I like that. And that's and I and I try to tell people the same thing. If all you're gonna give is fifty percent, you're really gonna have major problems. <laughs> exactly, because that fifty percent may never touch, and where it touches, it may create friction. Mm-hmm. And I tend to be a poet as well, and so that the metaphor of the two people meeting at that fifty percent point, when are you going to work together? That's good. That's that's real good. Uh, we're gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to let my marriage group hear this. Yeah. <laughs> so, in your writing, have you had any um, difficulties in um, dealing with your characters, and especially writing about characters of the opposite sex and making sure that they flow correctly in your work? Occasionally, that does occur. In this particular book on Science Hill. Most of the stories that I tell about my husband are stories that he told me. And so I was being able to be faithful to his stories. I also have an older brother and I had been teaching for a number of years. And so I drew on those experiences as being a sister, being a listener and being a teacher of students to try to make my characters as realistic as I could writing as a woman about men. Okay. Now in your book, I gathered that, um, and, and you said a little bit, but I really felt like your book is like a great fit for young people. Even you're, you're going back and you're telling your story after 50 years of, of mm -hmm. being married and you're finally pulling this together. And I, mm -hmm. you know, and like you said, there's, even though it's fiction, there's reality in it. You know, yes. there, there is truth in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I could see your work. I could see a lot of things, but anywho, <laughs> I could, I could see your work being at the same places that you talk about in your book. We were at the mm -hmm. camp meeting. And mm -hmm. at the camp meeting, we have time to engage. We have mm -hmm. time to learn. We have time to share. And so I see your story resonating well with people who we start out um, we start out with our mindset of how we're going to be, what we're going to do. You know, when I talk to people, a lot of times I was like, so what's on your list? And they said, what you mean? What's on my list? Like, what are the things that you have to have in life? And what are the things that you expect for yourself and you won't settle? And determining what those things are like uh, you and your husband now, but back then you didn't know each other, but both of you come into camp both from Christian families and churches and communities with this um, value set of I'm going to school and I'm getting this finished and I'm not going to be distracted by anything. But the reality is soon as you say it, you do get distracted. <laughs> and just, you know, just share a little bit about like the thought process about when you are distracted, how do you, how were you able to maintain your focus? Perhaps the, what I would have to say honestly at this point, it's the Bible. Mm 
I happen to have had the privilege of being raised in the family where the Bible was the guide. And when in doubt, I would hear my grandmother quoting scripture and one of, you know, whatever you do, do it as unto the mm. Lord. And, you know, is this pleasing the Lord? And sometimes it wasn't. And sometimes I would try to rationalize or justify my not doing it that way. But it always came back to, is this the right thing for you based on what the Lord has shown you in his word and in the examples of men and women who have taught you? Mm. And so as I share this particular story, I try to bring up situations where young people are challenged by the word that they hear or see. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is that whoever has, is reading this book is somewhat familiar with Christianity and may recognize that all Christians are not at the same level of maturity. That's good. Depending, depending on how long they have committed themselves to the Lord. And so I have in the book, teenagers laughing at what they see going on in the service mm -hmm. that actually happened mm -hmm. we used to try to reenact the service by pretending we were worshiping the way we saw some people in the church doing mm -hmm. and of course my grandmother said you do not make fun of god's people and she would go back to the scripture in the Old Testament, where the young men were laughing at the prophet and what happened to them. And it's funny to me, as you ask me this question, I don't recall being threatened by the word. Okay. In, uh, in Acts, where the two, the husband and wife, had said they had sold everything and given it to the church, right. and they didn't, and they ended up dying. Mm -hmm. I remember my grandmother using that scripture if she happened to have caught us. She didn't use the word telling a lie. She mm -hmm. used telling a story, but it was a lie. Mm -hmm. I don't remember being threatened by that. I just remember being challenged by living uh, to live the way we were taught to live. And I'm not sure how she balanced mm -hmm. using the word as a guy that didn't frighten me. Mm -hmm. But This is what I encourage uh, teens to do. Read the word on your own. So you Pray that the Lord will guide you. You work with a lot of teens now. Oh yes. Okay. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. In what um, in what capacity is this your regular job? What are you doing? All right. I do not have a regular job. <laughs> you have many <laughs> jobs. <laughs> I have an avocation. Okay. And my avocation is to mentor early career teachers and new Christians, nice, particularly teens. And I happen to go to a small congregation where there are just a small number of teens and I'm having an opportunity to encourage them to live the word seven days a week. Yes, yes. And so as I can think about what worked for me, of course, that's what I share with them, but it's the word. And I do believe that if we give ourselves the time to read the word, 
it will speak to us and we can trust it. And so that's what I do now. Um, now, just as you and I are talking uh, long distance, I've had the opportunity to work with early career teachers across the country and really across the world. And uh, so that's what, that's what I'm doing now is my job being a mentor. Amen. Discipling. Oh, we can use that on this show? What's that? A discipling? You can disciple. <laughs> That's what we are required to do. Yeah, you know, the only reason I hesitate about using the, the word disciple, because to me, disciple means the people follow you. I think they ought to follow Christ. Yeah. And but so, they follow the example of Christ in you. That's that's the way I, they they follow the example of Christ in in you. If the example of Christ was not in you, then we would not expect for them to follow. Okay, then I can accept that definition. <laughs> I don't, I don't follow, you know somebody say follow me as I follow Christ. You can do better on many days than I do. And sometimes I resist. But your voice yes. is unique and your voice is appointed. Okay. God has appointed your voice for these people that you are talking about. I will accept that on yes. my behalf and on their <laughs> behalf. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sister Anita. And so, um, I mean, I, lo I love this. I love this. Um, oh, this is good. And you, you, you are very creative. <laughs> yes. And I, you know, I looked at all of all of the book titles that you've been working on, and it's a whole lot. And and your poetry. Um, tell us a little bit about your poetry because you have a poetry book, and it's full of poems. And I was a little confused because initially I thought it was other um, poets in it, but it was actually other artists that had done some creative work in the book. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Uh, one of the things that grew out of my encouraging students to write and writing along with them is a series of poems that I wrote describing experiences that I've had. And one of the strategies that I found most effective to encourage students to write honestly was to show them pictures and ask them to write what it was like to experience this picture. And that was the impetus for this particular collection called Experience, Poems, and Pictures. The artist who did the artwork on the cover on, on Zion's Hill is the art teacher from the school where I taught in San Diego. Okay. And when I was ready to write this collection of my own poetry, I asked her if she would be willing to illustrate the poems. She said, no. She said, I, you can't afford me, which is true, but I have other things on my plate right now. And she says, but I think I have friends who might be interested in having their poetry in your book. This particular time, I decided not to try to match the artwork of other people to the poems that I wrote. Instead, I decided to collect the pictures and put the pictures in the book in alphabetical order by artist and then invite readers to experience the pictures themselves. Ah. And so 
that's how this particular collection came to be. Okay. Uh, okay. My poems are organized in four sections, but the artwork is organized just in alphabetical order. And I have a section at the end of the book where I invite those who read the book, read the poems, to reflect on that experience, write their own poetry, create their own art. That's good. And may I brag just one bit? <laughs> yes. When I shared this book with one of the artists who happens to be from Argentina, she asked if I could have the book section translated into Spanish so that she could encourage and share the book with Spanish speakers and readers. That's good. And I found a teacher here, a bilingual teacher here in Grand Rapids, who has been gotten excited about the book. And so she has translated that section of the book into Spanish. And our goal is to have that new edition of the book with English on one side and Spanish on the other in time for Hispanic Heritage mm -hmm. Month, which is September 15th through September uh, through October 15th. Okay. And, um, the same thing for French. Again, the French teacher at the school where I used to teach has agreed to translate into French. And so we'll have the English version, the Spanish version, and the French version in the same collection with my poems and i'm just excited about the whole idea of sharing my poems but also an opportunity to encourage others to write themselves wow i am excited about that you would not believe this but we are already over 28 minutes <laughs> You ask good questions. <laughs> this is this has been this has been so good. So I think what we need to do, uh, we need to come back and we need to talk some more for another session because I think you have a wealth and depth of perspective that you can share with us and help empower us as well. Because I love to hear somebody who's moving and shaking. Yes. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna end right here. But right. if you have just a final quick word um, that you want to share with the um, listeners, mm -hmm. and then we'll close out. May I close with my opening poems called Words, Words, Words? Okay. Okay, so you were going to share with us? Mm -hmm. A few years ago, I heard teachers reading poems written by their 11th graders. And after she shared those, she asked us to write our experience of listening to them. This is the poem I wrote. Words, words, words. Words stir me when I hear them, when I read them, when I write them, when I speak them. Words urge me to keep listening, to keep reading, to keep writing, to keep speaking. Let me hear you so I can know you. Let me speak so you can know me. Prodigiously stirring words help me know you and viscerally urging words help me know me. I love words. So, <laughs> so 
that that is a good that is a good thing. Thank you for sharing that poem with us. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And again, everyone, I want to remind you that we have Anna J. Small Roseboro sharing with us on today. She talked about her book on Zion's Hill as well as her book, Experiencing Poems and Pictures. And both of these are available on Amazon. Yes, they're both available on Amazon. And if you wish to purchase directly from me, check with Sister Annette. She will give you a direct link to get your books directly from me and I'll get autograph them for you. Thank you. And are you on Facebook? Like, yes. do you have a group on Facebook? And are uh, is it your full name on Facebook in case somebody wants to follow you? Okay, so listen, check check her out on Facebook too, because she has some good stuff on her on her page. Listen, she she is she is full of insight, and we want to tap into those who have the meat for us to eat. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Annette. I appreciate your inviting me to share some of my experiences yes. and to enjoy thinking about what I write and why yes. I write. And we Thank will you. connect again. All right. Thank you. As we close, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you have not subscribed to this podcast on Apple iTunes or your favorite platform, please do so today. Share a comment and give a five-star rating. Join my mailing list at drannettewestministries at gmail.com. Also, purchase a copy of my newest book, Holistic Wellness, Mind, Body, Spirit on Amazon or at Dr. Annette Westministries.org webpage. Keep tuning in every week. I guarantee you will be blessed.